Blog Talk Radio. Hello, folks. This is Carl. It is uh, February the 18th, um, 2024. Ma'am, we're almost halfway through the second month of 2024. And uh, up where I live in the Great Lakes area of the Midwest. We're having our second year of a row of no snow, and I mean literally no snow. And uh, it's cold, but it's uh, you don't have to shovel. And uh, I can handle the cold, I think, if I don't have excessive amounts of snow to blow and shovel. So, we're going to continue today uh, on the message of the cross, which will probably go the rest of the year, and I don't care if it goes the rest of the time I'm on the program, is because there is nothing more important than what we do with the cross of Jesus Christ. And I I don't mean that as as a cliche or just something to stress importance. Jesus Christ, who is God, came a man and died a ignominious death on the cross uh, in order to pay for our sins so that we did not have to pay for them and so that we could spend eternal life in heaven. And uh, it's what what we do with the cross. By what I say, what do we do with it? Not that we make a relic out of it. Or we try to find a a sliver from 2,000 years ago and sell it for millions of dollars. Uh, No, not not saying that. What do we do? Where in the rank of our importance in our life does the cross of Jesus Christ rank? It is the single, single most important event that you could ever base your entire life on is the cross of Christ. Every problem that humanity has and mankind endures can be handled. Handle is not a good word. That's why I hesitated there. Every problem can be masterfully handled by the one one little drop of blood that Jesus Christ shed at the cross of Calvary. That is how powerful and important it is. All that we have to do, and this is a big one, all that we have to do in order to have the promises and the help and the support of the cross is to believe it and to let it give you the strength for doing everything you do in Christianity. By that, I mean get rid of all forms of religion. Now, I'm not saying you don't pray, you don't read your Bible, no, that's silly. I'm saying don't trust in those things. From right now on, I want our 100% in what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. When you are depending for the the power, the strength, the might, 
of Jesus Christ himself to work in you because of your faith in what he did at the cross of Calvary. There's nothing more you can ask in heaven and earth. Jesus Christ, if you're born again, he dwells in you. But so many people are not taking advantage of the power of the shed blood of Christ at the cross to live this life on earth. They are depending on too much on denominations, on traditions, on what their parents do or didn't do. Man-made rules, man-made laws. No, go right to the cross of Christ for everything. Any difficulty you have, any problem you have, any conflict, no matter how serious or how devastating or how hopeless it may seem, has not been handled by God himself through our faith in what Christ did when he died at the cross. Every event in human history, every difficulty, every problem is solved at the cross. Did I say that we would have no, we would have feel no effects of it? No, I didn't. There's a lot of things, folks, that we've done that we've caused, and we, we've, we've done things that are going to have an effect on us down the road, even physically. But every situation can be brought to the cross of Jesus Christ. You still may have consequences of a lot of things, but the thing that you're number one interested in is getting right with God in everything, and you can only get right with God through the cross of Calvary. Through the cross, I mean your faith in what he did at the cross and nothing else, nothing added, nothing subtracted. So we're going we're gonna to continue with that today, and I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to give the phone number out if anyone would like to call in and, and make a comment or ask a question on this program today. You can do that. Uh, I'm going to give you the phone number. It's 319-527-6208. 319-527-6208. It is a toll-free call in continental United States from a landline or a cell phone. And you can, when you come on, you'll hear the, it'll answer the phone, and you will be instructed to hit one if you want to join the program. And then when I see that on the screen, I will bring you on and you can ask whatever question you might want to ask or make a comment. Uh, if we could, I'd like to keep the uh, the comments or the questions, I'd like to keep them um, around the topic we're talking about, you know, the cross of Christ. This is the single most important event in human history. It is the one event which will determine how we how we live in our acceptance or rejectance of the cross, whether we spend eternity in hell, the lake of fire, or in heaven. It's going to be depending on one thing. What did you do with the cross of Jesus Christ? Was it? the number one thing that you base your salvation on, what he did, 
or is it what he did plus what your church says, your denomination says, or even you receiving sacraments? Receive sacraments. Do them every day. But nothing, nothing, nothing saves your soul or sanctifies you other than the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're going to read verses that say that, what he did at the cross, what he did, the sacrifice he made of willingly dying to pay for a debt that we accrued, but we cannot pay for. We will now proceed. And... uh, Occasionally, I'll I'll be slowing down just like I did there. I took a sip of warm coffee. Uh, Since Wednesday night, I've been coming down with a a fever and cold and sore throat. And uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, being I have Bible studies today to do, uh, for fear, I want to make sure I didn't have COVID. I went to the uh, urgent care and got tested. And I don't have COVID or flu, but I, I, I'm, I'm hurting and talking is a little difficult. And I'm taking some warm coffee now just to soothe my throat. I may not last the whole time, but we'll see what happens. Okay. We are going to start and go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And in every one of these that I read, I want you to see 100% only one thing, and that is, do you see, where everything that we have is a benefit that was won at the cross of Christ is only a result of what Jesus Christ voluntarily and willingly did when he went to the cross to die in our behalf. And he did that so that we could have victory in this life over every battle the enemy throws at us. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, and this is a, a misconception some in some areas, by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, where is some confusion as people say, our faith saves us. No, it doesn't. By grace you are saved through faith. Faith is how you receive the gift. You are saved by grace. That means it's God's infinite love, his infinite mercy, his infinite goodness. Infinite meaning no limit, no end. It is God's infinite love, grace, mercy extended to us free of charge. Nothing we could do to earn it. Nothing we could do to deserve it. Nothing we could do to keep it. It is strictly by grace. God will not deal with anybody. He will not deal with humanity on anything that we accomplish. That's why I keep saying that without the cross, we can do nothing for God. We can receive nothing from him by grace. We can do nothing for him. The cross is the single most important event that's ever happened in all of human history. Everything that God deals with man, timed, 
on is done 100% through the 100% necessity and the 100% sufficiency of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Don't add one thing to it. Don't add church. Don't add denomination. Don't add sanctification, even though that's something you will, the Holy Spirit will do with you once you're born again. But it's not your being sanctified or you're doing things. No, we can't do that. Jesus Christ saved us at the cross. He sanctified us at the cross. We do nothing. The point of the cross, folks, is what communion supposedly is to say, is that we take the bread and the wine or the juice, whatever, and we swallow it. It actually goes into our digestive tract, and it actually goes throughout our system. Molecules of the bread, molecules of the of the juice or the wine or whatever you take, it actually becomes us, a living part of us. That's what I want you to get in the mindset that you want the cross of Christ to be in you in every area of your life. There's going to be some areas in your life where you're going to have the flesh that's fighting this. And don't think I don't. I have in several areas of my life and always have. I have some areas in my life that that fight against the cross of Christ. Why? Because the enemy can defeat every religious practice that ever came into existence. Why? Satan, the enemy, the enemy of our soul, Lucifer, he is the inventor of religion. He runs all religion. All of the ideas of religious acts and faith in religious works, every one of them motivated, designed by Lucifer. Religion, I'm distinguishing religion, which is man's way of approaching God, rather than man looking and saying, it is strictly the grace of God coming to me, nothing that I can do to earn it, deserve it, keep it, or merit it. All right, just hold on a second. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works of our own, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And isn't that what we see in religion? People boasting. Isn't that what we see in churches? People being exalted above another. Recognize the person that they've done something well. But we parade people. You know what I'm talking about. This is not secret. This is not something that I have esoteric knowledge on. This is an everyday occurrence. Give the glory to Christ. You want to, you want to, Paul, what did Paul say? He said, if I'm going to glory or boast, I'm going to glory or boast in the cross of Christ. Why? Because it was there that he died to the world and the world to him. The ultimate joy in this world, folks, is going to come for those few people who can get close enough to that statement. You died to the world and the world to you, which means that your attraction to the world has dwindled off to the point that you don't even care about it anymore as far as controlling your life. 
and the world to you, the world's appeal has died off to you. I have died because of the cross, Paul says. I have died to the world and the world to me. Okay. Now I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 10, read verse 10 and verse 12 and maybe 14. And this is why I was telling you that it's not only your salvation that was settled at the cross and the victory won for all eternity, if you believe. It's also the the means and the 100% means by which we are sanctified has nothing to do with any of the any of the denominational prejudices nothing to do with any effort we put in are you allowing the holy spirit to work the power of jesus christ and him alone in you because your faith is in nothing but what christ did at the cross of calvary nothing i'm going to read hebrews 10:10 10, 10, okay In fact, I'll start with eight. Above, when he said, sacrifice and offering and bird offerings and offering for sin, you would not, you wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Okay, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, that is religion. I want to distinguish religion as man's attempt to reach God. Biblical Christianity is we have nothing to offer, absolutely nothing. And God reaches down to us by grace, and he is the one who performs and does and has finished everything we need. Your dependence on that tells whether you're going to depend on religion or you're going to depend on a combination, maybe, of Christianity and religion, which is no Christianity at all. You either, everything comes from the cross. Well, you're telling me, Carl, you live like that? No, I didn't say that. That is the goal. That is what I want to do. That is everything that I want to do, is to be totally dependent on the cross. Have no other thoughts other than those that come from the cross. As far as my current life, how I handle difficulties, how I handle anything that goes on, my everyday, every moment life. But being human, we are weak. Times when I quite honestly rebel against that. The point of the matter is, if that is your, your goal in your life, God will continue to move you towards that point. And I would call it total sanctification, but that's a word I've, classified for what that means. I don't believe there's total sanctification in this world. We will obviously receive it when we're totally born again. New heaven, new earth, new bodies. That'll be total sanctification. Okay. But the point of the matter is if you make that your goal and every time you find yourself going in to a a period of where you're now starting to depend on the flesh. And I don't mean sin. When I say depending on the flesh, that I'm meaning that I'm dependent on pornography or or drug addict or drug addiction or no. What I mean by the flesh here 
is our ability to to please God by what we do rather than a, the only way we can please him is by willfully and humbly accepting that he has finished everything at the cross and look to him only. Don't think I don't have these. I have the same worries, the same fears, the same doubts, the same concerns, the same what-ifs, the same everything. I question myself even today. Do I, why am I doing this? I don't feel good. What's the purpose of it? The enemy wants us to focus on ourselves. And it's a battle continuously. But the more you keep your will in the cross of Jesus Christ, and I want nothing, anything in my life to have any consequence other than my faith in the cross of Jesus Christ to solve any problem, to do anything for me, to keep me from doing anything wrong. It has nothing to do with religion or training or discipline or my good works. My good works in Ephesians 2.10 are a result of my being saved by grace through faith. Read that again. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works of your own, so no one can boast. And then verse 10, and we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared for us to do before. So the good works follow. The good works are not, and this is so much falsely preached and taught in church, that your good works are something you're doing to pad your bank account or to pad, you know, your your little nest egg that you're going to take to heaven. No, it isn't. Our good works are an abomination to God. The only good works God will accept from us and reward in eternity is those works of Ephesians 2.10 which we were created in Christ Jesus to do. In fact, let me read to you 2 Timothy 1.9. Talking about the power of God in verse 8. Verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now I'll read Ephesians 2.10 to you, and you'll see the connection. I'm not just dramatizing or making these things up. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, God's, created in Christ Jesus to do good work which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Then you go to 2 Timothy 1.9, which says, God, who has called us, saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. So we're saved and called with a holy calling, not according to anything we've done, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus, before the worlds began. I do not understand, and I I do not, I just can't, how the churches have got into such a a tizzy 
and such a preoccupation with good works. But let me let me read to you the last church, and and the last church uh, in Revelation uh, chronologically, which I believe we're in now, and for very good reason. Uh, Revelation chapter three, verse fourteen through seventeen, unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, write. These things says the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, and the beginning of the creation of God, which is Jesus Christ. In fact, this is in red. I know your works, but you are neither hot nor cold. I would that you were either hot or cold, because you are ne- you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold. I will spew you out of my mouth. This is a church, folks. And we're, 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 we're buried with it today that are full of good works. They've got works for everything. Very little, if any, preaching of the cross of Christ. Everything is emphasized on what they do. Everything emphasized on what they do. We do nothing. There's nothing that we can do for God in this world. Nothing that has not been given us to our faith in the cross of Christ. And if our faith is not in the cross of Christ and we're just religious Christians, we are going to do nothing for God. And yet the church capitalizes. It says it right here in Revelation 3, 14, 15, and 16. I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold because you're lukewarm. I need the hot and the cold. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. This is the church of today. Can anybody say that we're not that church? If you have any doubt, let me read you the next one. There's one other thing that the churches are noted for other than good works by the millions. Because you say I am rich and increased with goods and I have need of nothing. You know you not that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Five adjectives that Jesus Christ gives the church of Laodicea, which I believe we are and we have been for over 100 years. That is an opinion, 100 years. I don't know anybody can give you an exact time. It's It's opinion. But after listening to a lot of the preachers back in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, I believe it was right around um, maybe 110, 120 years ago. Say 1900, late 1800s, that we have become the Church of Laodicea. Now, what are they well known for? Money? You don't have, and nobody can misunderstand that. That is the hallmark of church today, money. It has not, nothing to do with what the money was supposed to be used for. Read the book of Acts, chapter 2 and 4. The money was supposed to be given to the leaders of the church to give to those in the church who needed and to give to other churches who had terrible needs, people. Read Acts chapter 2 and 4. We are overflowing with money. 
But what does he say? Five adjectives. You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Not one church other than Laodicea, which is our church today, not one church other than today does Jesus Christ issue every comment as condemning. Not one thing he says about us that's acceptable, that's in his will. Even if I were an atheist, which I'm not, obviously, I would say that we are Laodicea, just by what Revelation 3, 14 through 17 says. That doesn't mean every church. It doesn't mean every church. It doesn't mean every person, every pastor. It's just the period of time we're in. It is more so important now, folks, that you don't get caught up in the mechanics, which is very easy to do. Get caught up in the mechanics of the Church of Laodicea, which is all about building the system, building the institution. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, 12, and 14. And here he's talking about sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings for sin you did not want. Neither did you have pleasure in them, uh, which are offered by the law. And then in 10, he says, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Sanctification comes 100% through the cross of Jesus Christ and your faith in it. That's 1 Thessalonians 2.13. In fact, let me turn to that and read it. Very, very clear. Very, very clear. You cannot misunderstand this, even if you have an advanced degree in misunderstanding. Can't be done. Just bear with me a minute. First Thessalonians 2.13. Oh, okay, let's see. Hold on. I'm moving very slow because I'm hurting. Okay. Here we go. For this cause, also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, what you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works in those who believe. You want to have the you want to have the things of the cross of Christ. You want to have them applied to you. You want to have God to miraculously give you the power that He died on the cross to give you. All it says you have to believe. Let me go to a, a verse in Ephesians, two of them, that will be very quickly give you that information. Ephesians chapter one, verse nineteen. What is the exceeding power? What is the exceeding, pardon me, goodness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? His mighty power has already accomplished everything we need. 
It's appropriated to us as we believe the word of God. Remember, it's the word of God, not the word of men. First Thessalonians puts a uh, a, um, a parenthetical statement in there, as it is the word of God, not the word of men. Don't get that mixed up. The word of men is going to send many people into the lake of fire who think that they're religious enough, they're good enough. What is the exceeding power of his, what is the exceeding goodness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his and gave him to be the head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all things in all. You see where the cross is where everything was done and how you can now satisfy the demand of God to take part in that tremendous power that Jesus Christ had when he rose from the dead is very easily. It says the power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. His mighty power, not ours. Well, why was this, uh, what does this have to do with the cross? Died on the cross in order to give us this power. We had to be born again, cleansed of all sin, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read uh, verse 20. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. His power works in us. His power works in us. Verse 7 of Ephesians 3, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. See, everything we get from God has is one source, grace. I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. I can't merit it. I can't keep it. Everything is by grace given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Let me read that again. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. And that power will work in us, folks, if we believe. (laughs) Do you believe and trust in it? Or do you believe that you have to have certain sacraments I didn't say don't get baptized in water. I didn't say don't go to communion. I didn't say don't follow ritual. As long as it's not sinful, then there are rituals in churches that are sinful. But your faith is in nothing but what he did in the cross of Calvary. Please, nothing. And I'm going to read here another verse to you, verse number 9. 
and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now powers and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the eternal purpose that he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the cross. That is how Jesus Christ opened the door, took away the impenetrable block, the blockage that was blocking everything from us to God and God to us. And that was sin that hadn't been paid for. Jesus Christ died on the cross and took all that away, the penalty, the shame, and made made an opening so that we could go to God, that we could be have an intimate relationship with him. But unless he paid for our sin, that could never be done. I'm going to read you John 7. And it talks about that exactly. The moment you're born again, the born again means the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read to you verse 7, chapter 7 of John, verse 37 through 39. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. He hadn't died on the cross yet. He hadn't paid the debt. So we could not receive the Holy Spirit physically. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay. And bear with me here. I'm coughing and choking a little bit. I'm just a mess. Hebrews chapter 10, we read verse 10, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Chapter 10, verse 12. But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 14. By one offering, he has perfected forever those that are sanctified. Please, folks, listen to those. Please listen to them. Take them seriously. He has sanctified. He has has perfected those who are sanctified. Obviously, at the cross, he saved our soul. But he also accomplished everything for our sanctification in verse 10, 12, and 14 of Hebrews chapter 10. Please look that up. Make sure you see it. Make sure you understand it. Because sanctification is a process that goes until the day you die. And that means that the cross is applicable and beneficial. 
right till the day that we die. Nothing else but the cross of Christ can give us this power, our faith in it. Remember, you got to believe. Okay, we're going to go move on a little. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 10 and 11, talking about the foundation of the cross of Christ. Let nothing else be your foundation, nothing, except what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, nothing. And I mean nothing, I mean nothing. Nothing does not take a, a master's degree to understand nothing means what it says, nothing, other than the cross of Christ. Here's chapter 3. According to the grace of God, which was given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. The foundation is your salvation. And another builds thereon. That's sanctification. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. And here's what he means. Once you're saved, you're saved on one foundation, one thing, the cross of Jesus Christ, period. Nothing else comes into play. You're saved by your faith in what Christ did on the cross alone. But it says, let every man take heed how he builds upon that foundation. And what does he say on that? For no other foundation can man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So as you proceed in your life after salvation, the same foundation that saved your soul, and that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, is the only foundation you build on. Don't do any of your good works. Don't do your random acts of kindness, thinking that they're automatically going to give you heavenly rewards when you're exalting yourself. Everything, every work that you do, me being able to do this program, it is only by my faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified and him working effectually in me that you can understand anything I say or that I can even come on here and take these verses and read them. Let no man build on any other foundation that is critical. So many times in church, if a person is saved, we now get them busy in activities, and they're literally looking towards the pastor, the church leaders, the board, the people, themselves, to do good works. We can't do good works. All the good works we do, folks, come from what? The foundation on which we were saved. As a wise master builder, I've laid a foundation. That's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Another builds on it. Let every man take heed how he builds on it. And how, what does he say? No other foundation. What means that that means that when we start, once we're saved, and we start building on that foundation, we immediately go switch into works. And we do. It's in most churches. Their faith is in their works, the good things they do, the amount of time that they volunteer, do all those things. But these that's not where you're... If any man, verse 12, build upon this foundation, and what's the, what foundation? 
Jesus Christ and him crucified. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stable, stubble. In other words, the same person is going to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified, either works that are gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. That's on judgment day. For the day shall declare it. The day is judgment day. Because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So you've got all the people doing all kinds of random acts of kindness and all kinds of work in the church. How many of us have ever done what James 1.5 says? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives freely. That's James 1.5. And it's not a, a 99, 100% chance. It's 100. He gives to all men freely if they ask wisdom from him. That's where you go when you want to know the works you're to do as a Christian. This is not maybe going to be accepted in your church, but you're not in your church to please people. You're in your church to please God. If they're not pointing you to the cross of Jesus Christ for everything that you've done and everything that you continue to do, get out of it. Every man's work will be made manifest on that day, the judgment day. The fire of God's eyes, Jesus Christ is represented, especially in Revelation, where fire comes out of his eyes. That's the judgment, the fire of his judgment and his perfect judgment will burn everything that is wrong, everything that is phony, everything that is man's strength. The only things that are going to survive is the good works that were given to you by God, which in verse 12 is referred to as gold, silver, and precious stones. You see that. Please see it in 1 Corinthians 3, 10, 11, and 12, 13. The fire judgment, the fire that Revelation says comes out of the eyes of, of the land, it's going to hit all of these good works. And only those good works which were given us that were built on the foundation and the foundation is the cross of Christ and our faith in it. They're the only good works that are going to give us the benefits in heaven. Now, am I saying don't do the voluntary work at church? Somebody's got to clean the restrooms. Somebody's got to shovel snow, cut the grass. Not saying that. But that's only, folks, that's one thing. That's just normal maintenance that has to be done. Don't let people hornswoggle you into thinking that these are good works that you're going to be rewarded for. And it is put that way. That's why I'm saying it. I've heard it. No. Go to God in James 1.5 and ask his wisdom. He's the only one who can tell you. No one else can give you this. It's impossible. Might there be other people that God uses who are gifted to advise you yes but you're still going to a man of god 
and seek out people of God. Ask God to show you people who might be able to help you. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. I'm going to go to Romans 1.16. I think I am. I'm going to give it a best shot here. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Talking about the cross of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus Christ. Died for our sin on the cross. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. What is the power of God to salvation? It's not church. It's not your receiving sacraments. It's not your giving money or doing random acts of kindness. Those things should be Ephesians 2.10 and Titus 2.14 if your faith is, if your salvation is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Don't, once you're saved, go into something else and now build on man's foundation. And they do this in the churches. I've been, I've been talked into this. Willingly, I did it. You want to volunteer and help? Do it. But that is not the same thing we're talking about. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Let me read what the gospel is. And I'll go not to church or Carl's definition. I'll go to the Bible, which is the only place I want you to get definitions of anything. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein you stand, by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Right there, he's telling us that when we once were born again through faith in the cross of Christ, the tendency of the enemy, not tendency, he will do it. He's going to bring in many people to compete with the cross of Christ to give you another foundation to now build your life on. And we talked about that in 1 Corinthians 3. Build on no other foundation. Verse 3, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received for our sins, according to the Scripture. He was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scripture. This is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I'll read it again. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which you are saved. If you keep in memory that would I preach to you unless you have believed in vain. They have believed in vain. They really have believed that if they don't maintain their faith in nothing but the cross and they go into eternity trusting their good works, their church's denomination, 
the spiritual gifts they had or whatever, or water baptism or repeating the prayer after the preacher. There's a whole lot more to salvation than repeating the prayer after me. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. You see, well, that's the cross of Christ. That is the gospel. The two are inseparable. He was buried, rose again the third day according to the scripture. And then we go back to Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Please understand this. Read it. That's why I'm giving you the verses. That's exactly why I'm giving you the verses. So you can, I want you to write these down. And I don't want you to to depend on what I said. You go to the scripture to get these answers. Confirm it. Now, why is the power of God to salvation, the gospel, believing the gospel? James 121. Let me read that to you. That's an interesting verse. The wrath of God of man, verse 20, the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, all superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. The engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. Please write that down. James one twenty one. Why? The word of God is the Bible. It's about nothing but the gospel. In the very beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Man sinned. And God's, God instituted a plan that took 4,000 years to come to pass. And that is that Jesus Christ would come to this earth as a human being and die on the cross to save our soul. And that is the gospel of Christ. It's in every page of the Bible. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The word of God itself has the power to save you if you believe it. If you believe it. I'm going to go to Rome now. How do I have faith in this? Okay, Carl, I'm listening to what you're saying. And I'm, I'm, it sounds okay, and I'm not saying I don't believe it, but how do I have faith in this? Very simple. Nothing hard if you go to the Bible. Just don't go to man and their definitions or anybody. Any question you ask, any point made in church in a sermon or in a Bible study has got to go back to the Scripture. And if they can't do that, then... You shouldn't be listening to them. I'm going to then read to you Romans 10, 17. How do you have this faith which receives the grace of God for salvation? Receives the grace of God for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. How do you get it? For all those who are detractors who make sarcastic comments about a Bible. You don't need the Bible. You don't need a 400-pound Bible. We've got too much Bible today. I've heard that from a pastor who just retired last year 
worth a net worth of $25 million. In fact, a couple other things he said, the Bible is irrelevant to today, and today irrelevant to the Bible. We don't need the Bible. We've got too much Bible. Let me read how you built this foundation. You built this foundation of faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, which is the gospel, Jesus Christ and him crucified. How does that faith come if you receive the grace of God for salvation by faith? Verse 17 of Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Anybody in the ministry, and I've heard derogatory statements about the Bible, folks, please, including it could be me at times. I might have had that. I don't know. I hope not. The worst, the worst thing that I want to do is have to look at Jesus Christ on Judgment Day and him saying, you really made fun of my words. You not only that, but you made little jokes about them. Well, you don't have to have a 500-pound Bible to go to heaven. No, you don't. But if you do not read the Bible, you ain't going to heaven. That's the one thing I can say. Somebody could go back and say, well, what about someone in the year 20, year 20, year, year 100, right after creation? They never had a Bible. I understand that. God puts it in their heart if they want to hear it. That's Romans 1, 18 through 23. What I'm saying in today's society, when people denigrate from the pulpit the Bible and reading it, they, I don't know that they could be doing something that would be more difficult to explain on Judgment Day. I'm not saying it's going to cost them their soul. But they're not going to get a free pass, believe me. And I've got to be careful on that, that I don't get into that mode or become sarcastic to those who do it. Because there's nothing that I can't do if I take my eyes off of the cross of Christ, nothing. Everything I'm talking about here that I'm telling you don't do. I could could have a master's degree in every one of these if I take my faith off the only thing that is protecting me in this world, and that's my faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 23. Remember, we just read Romans 1, 16, and that is that uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the gospel, the cross of Christ, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 1 and read 17 through 23. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross be made of none effect. Don't add your opinions. Don't add anything. Read the scripture. The preaching of the cross, which is the gospel, is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse 21, 
after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching the cross to save them that believe. Verse 23, we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block, but under the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. John three sixteen and fourteen six. Bear with me, I'm moving very slow. I'm, I'm sore right now and I'm just not moving quick. I normally don't move quick anyhow, but Okay, John 3.16, you know that. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his only son for what reason? To die on the cross, to save man's soul. That is the only way God could redeem man. And he so loved the world that he gave his own son to pay for a bill that we have accumulated and ran up. For what reason? Whoever believes in him, that's Jesus Christ, the cross, what he did at the cross. Don't just believe he existed. The world believes that. Satan believes it. He's just not willing to trust in what Christ did at the cross. He wanted to exalt himself above God. All right, now I'm going to go to John 14, 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. That's in red. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. I'm going to go to uh, 1 Timothy 2, 5. Bear with me. It's important that we get these verses down and you write them down and you go to them in the future. Don't go to what I said. Don't even think of what I said. Just go to the, wherever you write these down and where, wherever these are written down and go to the Word of God. First Timothy 2, 5. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that man is Jesus Christ. And you know what a mediator is. One man and one mediator between God and man, and that man is Jesus Christ. Verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He gave himself as a ransom where? On the cross. Cross of Christ is where every issue in human history will be judged. Not religion. Not denomination, not church tradition, not how well you observe the law, because you can't observe it other than the power of Jesus Christ, who at the cross gave you his power to overcome sin. Can't do it. None of us can. That's Romans 8, 3, and 4. You can read it. All right. Now. I'm going to go to 1 John 4, 7 through 12, and 
1 John 2, 2. Go to 1 John 2, 2 first. He is the propitiation. Christ is the payment for our sins. Not only for ours, but all the sins of the world. Christ, that's what I say. Nothing in this world is going to be measured by any other standard than what was done at the cross of Christ. There he paid for every sin, whether man believes it or not. They're all paid for. Now I'm going to read First John chapter uh, 4, and I'm going to read 7 through 12. Beloved, and this again is talking about the cross, the cross of Christ. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. How are we born again? By our faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's 1 Corinthians 3.10. Build no other foundation. And the foundation is your salvation. And once you've built that foundation, build nothing for the rest of your life on any other foundation that church or man gives you other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. <laughs> Go to God in prayer. James 1.5, what does he want you to do? <clears throat> Verse 8, he that loves no God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God towards us because God sent his only son into the world that we might believe through him. Through him for what? He died on the cross to forgive our sin. He died on the cross to make us acceptable in his father's sight. He died on the cross to save our soul. And this was manifested, the love of God towards us, because God sent his only son in the world that we might live through him. The only way we can live through him, folks, is one way, and that's through faith in what he did at the cross. Otherwise, we're living for the world. If we're trusting in religion or our good works or our ability or our commitment, verse 10, herein is love, not that we love God, but he loved us first and sent his son to be the payment for our sin. Beloved, if God loved us that way, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love, his love is perfected in us. Another big big thing here I want to talk about. We are so busy in the churches teaching people how to make their love better. Make their love. No, you can't. Luke 9, 23 says, If anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up the cross. You can't do anything, including love other people. You can only use the love of God being perfected in you. Like everything else, when Christ died on that cross, he not only died to give you salvation, but he wants you to now all his qualities and allow him to work those qualities through you. Have the love of God for people. 
Not the love of man made better. You can't make it better. It's impossible. All right. We're going to talk about the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the blood of Christ is inseparable from the cross. The reason he died on the cross is because he shed his blood. He was drained out. His blood left him. And when your blood leaves you, you die. It was a blood sacrifice. I'll go to 1 Corinthians one thirty. Okay. I'm going to read 29. No flesh means mankind should glory in his presence, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now you see this. Of him, that's God, you are in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Those are just four more qualities that we are to have through our faith in Christ and him crucified that we have his righteousness, his sanctification, his redemption, not some fantasy that man creates or is taught in seminary or Bible college. I don't care what they say. You go to the scripture for 100% of everything. There's so many things that I hear, I have heard, not lately because I'm going to a, a church that is, the pastor is very, very biblical. That's all he does is go from the Bible. But I'm going to tell you, folks, the churches that I, the one that I was at before that, uh, it got down to where they were even denying the scripture, saying things that happened that the Bible talks about, oh, they were either symbolic or they they already happened. Uh, ridiculous, folks. When the Bible says that after these things, certain things will happen, you know chronologically what's going to happen before. Before item hasn't happened, then how can you say it's already happened in time past? You know what I'm saying. You listen to somebody who's going only by the scripture, nothing else. If they don't know an answer to something, that's very simple. Just say, I don't know. That's not so hard. That's easy. Even though my lungs are hurting right now, I can say that very easy. I don't know. Don't make things up. Don't copy seminary. Don't copy man's notes don't copy sermon.com don't copy a commentary you want to know something from god as james 1 5 says ask him in prayer and it will be given to you but what if he doesn't give me an answer then you're not ready for the answer yet trust god men now first corinthians 1 30 it says we are god We are made in Christ, 
who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Okay, how does that, how do I, how do I then allow that to be applied to me? Very simple. Keep reading your Bible. Don't go to, don't go to Brother Carl's and buy his workbooks. You don't need his workbooks. All you need is the Bible. First Corinthians 2, three verses later, Paul said, I determined after he wrote of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Three verses later, it says, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all Paul wanted to know. That's how God, through Christ, will give you the wisdom, the righteousness, the sanctification, the redemption, and every other quality you're seeking. It's not you getting better, including your love. It's the love of God working in you. And it will happen only if your faith is in what? In Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why is that? Verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 2. So that your faith not might not stand in the wisdom of man, religion, power of God. You see that? If you are not putting your faith in Christ and him crucified for everything, you are now starting to put your faith in the wisdom of men. Don't do it. Don't do it, folks. Please don't. I'm almost 81, and I've been... I've been so distracted and so uh, so misled for years in my life, willingly, because I was on this kick of everybody and their education and the books they wrote and buying all these books. You only need one book if you believe it. Remember 1 Thessalonians 2.13? It says, I thank God continuously, but when you heard the word of God, which you heard it as it was, the word of God, not the word of man, not the word of man, 1 Corinthians 2.13, underline it, highlight it, which works in you who believe. You want these things to be in you? You really want the powers and the, the traits and characteristics of Christ to take over your abilities? Faith in Christ and him crucified. Everything goes to the cross. Nothing that is doesn't get resolved at the cross. I'm going to read John 1, 1, 14, 29. This is why, again, I tell you, don't be misled by these people today who want to make fun of the word of God. And they make little sarcastic jokes. Or little sayings. And I could just see the people who don't want to read the Bible, they they put everything they've got on that. Well, our pastor said today that you don't have to have 40 Bibles to go to heaven. In the beginning was the Word, a capital W. The Word, capital W, was made, was with God. And the Word, capital W, was God. Even if you're an atheist, you should know from English language, capital W indicates a proper noun. So we've got here the word. The word was with God. In the beginning was the word. 
The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Capital W. Okay? Now I'm going to go to John 1.14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, capital W, was made flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. That's obviously Jesus Christ. And how do I tie this into his cross? Verse 29. The next day, John sees Jesus come to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was done at the cross, through his sacrifice at the cross. So we have the word in the beginning was was in the beginning. The word was in the beginning. It was with God. It was God. And verse 14 tells us that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus Christ. And then we find out this word, capital W, that John saw him the next day and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was at the cross. Do you believe that or do you believe that? Plus baptism by water or by your denomination or your religion. Not criticizing denomination or or anything else. I go to a church. I'm not a member of the church or the denomination, but I go because the pastor is a godly man and he only preaches out of the word of God. Nothing else. No Bible studies, no sermons other than expounding on the word of God, period. Okay. I'm going to read Leviticus 17. We talked about the cross of Christ. The blood was shed there. Remember? It was his blood that was shed. He was the Lamb of God. He died to pay for our sin. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. This is God speaking. It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. You see what that's saying? There's nothing but the cross of Christ. Nothing but the cross of Christ. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you, his blood, on the altar, which is the cross, to make an atonement for your souls. It is the blood that makes atonement for your soul. Nothing outside of the cross of Christ will atone for sin. And if your sins are not forgiven, you will not go to heaven. It's as simple as that. We've read verse 11. I'm going to read 12 through 14. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. Whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said to you, children of Israel, you shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh. For the life of all flesh is the blood. Whoever eats it will be cut off. This is showing that the very life is in the flesh. Do not, you can eat the flesh, but do not eat the blood. 
This is showing the, what God's emphasis on the blood is the very thing that gives life. The blood that was drained at the cross for you and I is the very thing that gave Jesus Christ his character and made him God, the blood of God, the perfect blood. That was shed for you and I. I'm going to go to Hebrews 9.22. Hebrews 9.22. Almost all things are purged by of the, excuse me, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Do you believe that? Is the cross of Christ what's your foundation upon what you're saved and upon everything that you do from now until the time you turn room temperature? If it's not, just ask God to change you, to change your focus, your mind. He will do it. Ask him. It is from verse 27. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Bloodshed needs to be done for forgiveness. And only God's innocent blood could forgive the sins of man. I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 12. You know what? I don't think I am. I think I'm going to stop because that includes some others. And I think I'll just back off right now. We've covered a lot of verses today. Uh, I'm going to do this. We'll do this. uh, Next week will be, what, the 25th? I'm just making notes of where to start. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and knock off a little bit early. I'm about seven minutes early. God, I thank you for giving me the ability to do this. Uh, And I don't mean just the ability spiritually, but physically, because I am feeling a little bit rough and... uh, I just thank you that you got me through this and we got the verses out that I wanted to get out. And I want to continue doing this. I do. I want to cover the cross of Christ. Nothing else in all of human history is going to make any difference. The day we're at Hebrews 9, 27. It is appointed for man once to die and then the judgment. Nothing else will make any sense, period, other than the cross of Jesus Christ and what you and I did with it. How did we apply it? Did we believe it was all, nothing else? Or do we believe that plus our denomination, our good works, our religion? The sacraments we received. I read the Bible more than Joe does. I pray more than John does. Do it. Pray more than anybody. Read the Bible more than anyone. But is your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross and nothing but, or is it not? You ask God, please. Please ask God. This is about our soul, folks. This is not whether Carl's right or wrong. That's why I continuously and constantly, and will never stop giving you scripture. I want you to see what the Bible says, not what I say. What I say doesn't even make any difference to me. I couldn't care less. I'm interested in one thing, what the Word of God says. Lord, I thank you for giving me the 
the ability to do this today and, and, and give me the words to say and for any of the people who might be listening. And, again, the only thing that I'm going to ask, and I do ask this, is uh, that you just impress on the people how important it is that we stick to nothing but the Word of God, nothing, absolutely nothing. Not saying you don't listen to people in church. Not saying you don't listen to sermons or pastors or Bible studies. But you make sure that these people are giving you the scripture. So they can cherry pick verses. And we all know that. You can by just taking verses out of context, manipulate the words of God to say anything you want. And Lord, prevent me from ever, ever even getting to that point. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for getting me through this today. Okay, I'm going to take off. Folks, have a good day, and I will see you next week, I hope. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.